Welcome to Nevertheless, She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie. Every Friday, I post interviews about mental health, dialectical behavioral therapy, and teenage life. These episodes break down my mental health journey, teach skills to help you cope with life, and showcase testimonials from teens just like you. Whether you've struggled yourself or just want to improve your mental fitness, this podcast is your inspiration to live a life you love and keep persisting. Today's guest is Sarah Humphrey, a self-acclaimed life enthusiast and recent graduate of the University of San Diego. She's also the host of the It Ain't It Sis podcast, which is all about navigating redirections, personal development, and relationships. I invited her on the podcast to talk about her mental health journey and give her perspective on maintaining your mental health as a college student, her experience podcasting, and so much more. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me on She Persisted today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Sadie. I'm just so excited to be on. Me too. Okay, so I wanted to start our episode by hearing your mental health story. So starting with your teenage years, what was your journey with your mental health? Well, mental health for me is something that I've kind of always struggled with Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. When I was younger, especially in sixth grade, I was bullied a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when I started to notice I was struggling to be a little bit more happy compared Mm -hmm. to the other kids. And Growing up, I also would go to sometimes psychologists because I do have learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. And my psychologist would always tell me, she's like, you are a little bit more anxious than the normal (laughs) child. Yeah. So I've always, since I was six, I think is when they first diagnosed me as anxious or having anxiety disorder. And so it's just something always I've dealt with. But, you know, as you kind of go on and go through life, things happen that kind of, I think, trigger your mental health. And so when I was 13 was when kind of like my depression and anxiety started to get really bad. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to switch schools. So the bullying was able to stop, which was great. Mm -hmm. But also then kind of going into high school, that's when I started to really struggle with, I guess, body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. and body insecurity which I know a lot of um, girls do these days. So easy to um, struggle with that kind of thing, especially with social media. Definitely. It's it's a thing that, I mean, we see all these girls, all these gorgeous girls who are very skinny, Mm -hmm. but they don't, we don't see a wide variety of many different body types. Yeah. And so I really took that to heart and I really struggled. I would say from the time I was, 16 to about 20 years old. I'm 23 now. Mm -hmm. Um, But 16 to 20 was a time that I really just struggled with my eating disorder. And Mm -hmm. then on top of that, when you are just so, I guess, consumed by the thoughts, um, then, you know, that triggers a lot of your anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And Luckily, I was able to get a lot of help and kind of push through that. And now I'm kind of here on the other side. And even though I still do struggle with, you know, anxiety daily, Mm -hmm. I'm able to cope with it just due to like the therapy I've been Mm -hmm. through. So that's just like a little bit. Thank you. Yeah, that's just like a little bit in a nutshell of Mm -hmm. my mental health journey. Yeah. So touching back on like the body dysmorphia and eating disorder kind of stuff that's something that I've struggled with a lot and it's definitely hard to find a good balance with of being healthy but not letting it become obsessive I'm someone where I'm either like 
I'm just not going to pay attention to it at all because that's easier or I like kind of go down the path of being more obsessive or more anxious about what I'm intaking and how healthy I'm eating. So what have you found to be effective to stay healthy but not become super obsessive with eating and body image and all of that? Yeah, I'm glad that you asked that question because it is very difficult to really fight those obsessive thoughts, Mm -hmm. especially just for like my personality type. Mm -hmm. I am very controlling. Yeah, Um, yeah, me too. Yes. So I think especially people with those personality types, it is easier for you to kind of fall into, Mm -hmm. I guess, the mindset of having an eating disorder. Not to say that everyone who is very controlling will fall into that mindset, Mm -hmm. but it is definitely easier. It's a more slippery slope for sure. Yeah, exactly. So I would say just over the years, what I've really taught myself is that it is okay to eat the cupcake if you really, Mm -hmm. really want one. It is okay to, I guess, you know, just eat what you want and sometimes overeat and that's Mm -hmm. okay. Don't do it all the time, but you know, it's all about a balance. But one thing I actually would say that really helped me with kind of learning balance and not being so obsessive with everything Mm -hmm. that I kind of do in life is I went to Italy actually during my junior year. It was during my fall semester. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I was really struggling with body dysmorphia too. Mm -hmm. I was really nervous about going because I mean, when you think Italy, you just think carbs, wine, Yes. out late at night mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking here in the back of my mind I'm like oh that does not it's sound not good work. to your waistline yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> and I was like okay how is this gonna work and I was really just really nervous about going but kind of going there really showed me that you know what you can sometimes indulge you can have that gelato you can have some wine you can mm-hmm. eat pasta pizza or whatever and you're still not going to like gain 5 billion pounds like I tell myself yeah, in my head. Yeah. So I really kind of learned balance in going to Italy. And that's just one thing I just, I guess, overall now understand that, you know what, you can live a balanced life mm-hmm. um, when it comes to just being healthy and even going back to like body dysmorphia I think that really helped me once I learned that no you can live a balanced life in terms of your eating and exercise Mm -hmm. habits and that really I think shaped how I viewed my body in turn because now I'm understanding okay what I do it doesn't as affects me as much as I make it out to be that makes sense definitely it's the same thing for me I was always once I got into more therapy I learned that I'm always my my own worst enemy and I make things out so much worse than they actually are whether it's with eating or with how other people will perceive me or um just standards for myself like I put it so much worse than it is in reality and so it's definitely important to take that step back and be like okay it's really not that bad like checking the facts what is actually going to happen and kind of go easy on yourself, even though that's really, really difficult to do sometimes. Yeah, no, exactly. And I liked how you touched on kind of just checking the facts, Mm -hmm. because I think so often we're given so much information in this time, especially on social media. Mm -hmm. A lot of it isn't accurate. A lot of these people who claim to be health experts 
and while there is probably some truth in everything yeah. someone says, it's not all truth. Definitely. And I think it's so easy to remember or to, sorry, it's so easy to forget that yeah. these people giving advice are only people and they don't have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you are a person who is insecure about their body and then you see someone on the internet who has those six packs that yeah, you've always yeah. wanted, it's so easy to be like, oh, but they must know. They, have, they must be correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. They must know. But you have to like take a step back and be like, wait, maybe they were honestly just blessed with that body. Mm -hmm. And maybe, yes, they do put in the hard work and they do eat healthy. But at the end of the day, like a lot of it comes down to genetics Mm -hmm. and we just need to learn to be okay with that because at the end of the day, we need to kind of glorify every kind of body shape because it is such a terrible thought to just glorify one body. Mm -hmm. And I think we find so much freedom and just letting that idea go that there is one perfect body type yeah yeah and you can really just find peace within that yeah and it's also like when you go and you look at someone who seems to have it all together as far as their health and their body image what works for them may not work for you and I think that that gets Mm -hmm. lost a lot that again it's down to genetics and we don't have the same genetics as the next person so what's so effective for them is almost guaranteed to not be as effective or impact you differently than it does for them. And that's that's definitely hard to remember because they it's advertises like the fix-all and it's 100% um, going to work and stuff like that. And it's just not always the case. But yeah. I know. And then like even when we get these advertisements for these skinny teas, mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone's seen them mm-hmm. and they claim, oh, it's the fix-all or this diet mm-hmm. pill is, you know, it'll flatten your tummy in one day (laughs) yeah in one in one day and I'm like that's not how it works yeah yeah sorry no you're good okay yeah but I'm like that's not how it works at all and I think we've just been preached this false reality for so long Mm -hmm. that health is just health is this one thing Mm -hmm. and in reality health is it ha- it incorporates so many different things. Yeah, yeah. It is emotional health, it is mental health, spiritual health, physical health. Mm-hmm. It is it encompasses in it a wide range of things rather than just kind of I think the media put puts it in a box and says no, yeah. health is a skinny tea. Definitely. <laughs> and I think one of the most amazing things about your mental health is once you get that on track and in place, your mental health to maintain that you have to be physically healthy you have to be eating regularly and exercising and having positive relationships there's all these little things that need to be maintained for you to feel happy and joyful and have your mental health be thriving and so once you get to that place everything can kind of fall into place behind that so that's something I love so much about working on your mental health is that it is such an abstract and broad concept but it does really encompass all these other anxieties and worries that you have as well, because there's so many things you have to work on and maintain to be healthy mentally. No, exactly. And just, I think a lot of people think working on their mental health is telling yourself, oh, I'm happy Mm -hmm. and just trying to achieve a certain level of happiness. I think that's what a lot of people think mental health is. And I completely disagree because Mm -hmm. I think it is so 
important to feel all of those emotions because when we neglect, I guess, the different trials that we go through in life, whether it be just, I guess, like a breakup or a loss, or you even failed a test, or you didn't get the job you wanted, Mm -hmm. all of those things. I think a lot of people think mental health is kind of going through those things and being like, yeah, that happened, but it's okay. Mm -hmm. And I am a firm believer that you can kind of feel those emotions and you can throw yourself like a little pity party for a couple minutes, Mm -hmm. but then you have to get over it is the point. You can't live in that pity party Mm -hmm. because that's when, you know, you get depressed and you get anxious Mm -hmm. and you get just kind of in the mindset of why is this all happening to me? Totally. But I think it's so important just on everyone's mental health journey that you really you really just embrace all of the emotions that you're feeling regardless Mm -hmm. um, of what you're feeling because every feeling that you have is valid. Not Mm -hmm. everyone will understand it, but at the end of the day, um, what you're feeling is valid and it's okay. Yeah. And when you're not attending to those emotions like sadness or grief or anger, whatever it is, if you're just ignoring them, you're saying, you know what? No, I'm happy. Like, I love my life. This is good. It's just going to build up and compound more and more. And then you're not able to cope with it. So when you're attending to these different things you're experiencing as they arise, it's so much easier to cope than when they become so overwhelming. And you're like, I don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> like, I've never felt an emotion this strong before. And you just don't know how to go forward. Exactly. And that's what I kind of noticed with a lot of people kind of close to me even where they just kind of bottle it up Mm -hmm. um, inside and they say constantly, it's okay. I'm fine. It's all okay. Mm -hmm. And yes, it is good to constantly give yourself pep talks and being like, I got this. It's fine. But one thing I've also noticed is they don't really open up and being vulnerable is so incredibly important because that's how you kind of really release your emotions. Mm -hmm. And there is a quote that I saw today. I'm actually reading a great book. It's called Power to Persevere. Mm -hmm. I interviewed actually the author recently on my podcast and she's a cancer survivor, but she was telling um, me about kind of how vulnerability is actually a great strength Mm -hmm. because a lot of people think in order to be strong, you kind of have to shove down all of your emotions. But in reality, that's so not true because really being able to tell people, hey, this is how I'm feeling. I'm Mm -hmm. sad. I'm happy. I'm anxious. I'm whatever. That takes a lot of emotional strength to do. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're able to be vulnerable is when you're able to properly have emotional release. And when you don't have emotional release, that's when you get just the sudden outcries and like the little temper tantrums Mm -hmm. that, you know, they just like blows up and you're like, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny because I think toddlers are known to have a lot of like temper tantrums. Mm -hmm. But in reality, like, you can kind of see that in adults, too. Like, (laughs) yeah, sure, they're not on the floor crying. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe they are. I mean, we've all been there at some point. (laughs) But it's, I think vulnerability is a skill that we learn. And I mean, if you don't learn it, then you'll kind of just be one of those adults having these temper tantrums. And 
you're not going to be able to know how to kind of cope with your emotions. So that's why I think vulnerability is so important to learn. No, I completely agree. So switching gears a little bit, I wanted to ask about your college experience because you just graduated from University of San Diego and a lot of listeners are teenagers, are still in high school or just starting college or about to go into the application process. So first question is just overall experience. What were the highs, the lows? How was college for you? Well, overall, I would say I really loved college. Mm -hmm. I had mentioned earlier that I was bullied and I was also bullied um, a lot in high school too. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because the people who bullied me were actually a lot of guys (laughs) and very typical, you know, they um, totally can relate. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that it's true, but a lot of younger guys, when they like you, I guess they make fun of you. Like, who, who why knows is that why they do that? It doesn't work. Like it, it really doesn't yeah. work. Mm-hmm. But but nevertheless, um, when I went to college, was I think the first time I really felt like I was noticed, and mm-hmm. that's exciting, obviously. And so I really loved college. I found a great group of friends. But kind of during that time, I had experienced a lot of really traumatic moments, I guess, in terms of guys too. I had been sexually assaulted a few different times Mm -hmm. and that, especially in terms of just like really spiking my anxiety and depression and just a lot of Mm self-doubt. I think, you know, it's a topic that a lot of people want to shy away from and I'm not afraid to talk about it. And sometimes even though I am I am very cognizant of who I bring it up to because it is such a, like a personal mm-hmm. topic. But I think during my college years, that was something that kind of really weighed heavy on my heart. I mean, mm-hmm. to say that I didn't talk, think about it every day yeah. would be a lie. But that being said, I remember this moment when I was talking to my mom mm-hmm. and I was crying to her just about everything that had happened in regards to, I guess, like boys and Mm -hmm. all my experiences that were pretty negative yeah but my mom basically she just reminded me that I need to kind of reframe how I view these experiences Mm -hmm. and she really helped me like reframe my mindset in terms of just remembering that these experiences yes they are terrible but you can always learn something Mm -hmm. and the whole saying, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. I've heard actually an interesting argument. I'm not sure. Have you ever heard of Rachel Hollis? I haven't, no. Okay. She's one of my idols, honestly. Mm-hmm. She wrote a book, Girl, Wash Your Face. Okay. If you haven't read it, I would highly su- suggest to read it. I definitely will. But she was talking about how she had gone through a really traumatic experience in her childhood and the whole um, idea around like everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. She didn't like that idea because she's like, there is sometimes no reason why people go through terrible experiences. There Mm -hmm. is no reason, but she kind of shifted her perspective and says, okay, maybe everything doesn't happen for a reason, but everything happens for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And when I started kind of thinking about just my past experiences with like my eating disorder, depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. and sexual assault, and all of those things, they can really be deemed as negative. And Mm -hmm. yes, they are, but I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a purpose. And now I honestly feel like my life's purpose is to help other people struggling with 
those various things. Yeah, no, I completely agree. When I was at such a low with my depression and my anxiety and my relationships and all of that, I didn't understand why it was happening to me. I was like, I'm 13, 14, however old I was at the time. And I was like, why? Why? I didn't know where to put the blame. I was like, why would God give me this life that is so miserable for me? What have I done to myself that's made this life so miserable? Why would my parents raise me into this life that I hate so much? Like, I just didn't know why or where to shove this anger and resentment and all of this. And I did not see a reason. I didn't see a purpose in it. And it took years. It took probably four years for me to be like, okay, I've gotten past this really low, low that I've experienced in my life. And I, similar to you, see this purpose of I've been where these other teenagers have been and had a really unique insight into what they've gone through. And I can, through the podcast and hopefully later on in life, help them through that and help others who have struggled with their mental health. But it took coming out of that low and having that different vantage point to see that purpose. And so to anyone who hasn't gotten to that point yet or is still at that low and doesn't see the purpose, it's, it's definitely fair to not to not feel like there's a reason and to not feel like there's a purpose because sometimes it takes time to be able to get to that vantage point where you can look back at it and really see the benefits to what you've gone through. Exactly. And that's why I also feel like I kind of resonate with you, especially just kind of growing up. I mean, to be honest, I really didn't like my life. I was was really, yeah, exactly. I was just very bitter about it and I was really angry, kind of just, I put the blame a lot of times on my parents, on myself, Mm -hmm. on God even. And I was like, why are girls my age Mm -hmm. kind of just going through life? Everything's fine. They can go to soccer practice and they can kind of eat whatever they want, or they can just even be happy. They don't even have to try Mm -hmm. to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I really kind of was bitter about that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's hard, especially when you are younger going through those things and then seeing everyone around you, they kind of talk a lot about, I know a lot of adults talk about how childhood you have a lot of kind of innocence and Mm -hmm. a lot of adults think children are, I guess, naive, Mm -hmm. but I completely disagree. Sometimes I think children, I mean, are some of the most wise people I know. Mm -hmm. And just even what you were saying about experiencing those lows at 13. Mm -hmm. And I completely understand, like, I firmly, like, I say this all the time, not all the time, but (laughs) when I tell people my story, I firmly believe that, I mean, my rock bottom, I've hit it probably like three different times in my life. But Mm -hmm. the first time was when I was 17 years old. Yeah. And people are like, Oh, usually, I guess the 35 year olds, they'll hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, just because I'm young doesn't mean I can't still experience these things. And I was bitter for kind of everything, or I was bitter with everything that was like happening in my life, just that I had experienced so much pain, but just really being able to really shift my mindset and understand that, okay, I did experience all of these things at a very young age. Mm -hmm. But now I'm kind of shifting my mindset to being like, okay, well, this is kind of great for me because now I can really just go after what I'm passionate about. And that is helping children um, who are going through certain situations. Now I can go after that Mm -hmm. when I'm still young. 
and I still kind of get it and 100%. I'm still their age. Yeah. So and that, it's, it's I think like that's a gift like a kind of way. because you don't have to go through this giant journey of self-discovery and learning how to cope with your life because you already know how. So once you get into living your real life without your parents there to support you, without this world you've grown up and known, once you're thrown into the deep end again at 30, 35, and you're like, where did my life go? You already know how to cope with that because you you haven't built your life to one that you slowly learn to hate because you like for me I know I can't do that like I will get so depressed so quickly I'm like I have to be living a life I love or I just mentally can't handle it and so when those lows come when those stressors come I know how to cope with it and I'm so lucky to be able to have done that at such a young age and so it doesn't get lost on me that it was not a normal path and that I I had so much anger and resentment that I went through so much pain at an early age but it's it's a really cool thing as well to know that you've you've learned how to live your life and cope with your life at an early age and you can you can go through the rest of your life still learning and adapting but you know how to manage it and you you have those skills exactly and I think that's something I think that really breaks my heart though that Mm -hmm. a lot of younger people don't have these tools of how to manage yeah whether it be like depression anxiety frustration or anger Mm -hmm. and all the above I think a lot of people they just don't know how to cope with them yeah I totally agree and the other thing that's been so helpful me to me during this time is kind of just letting go at the end of the night when there was the school schedule or like having to be like at work at a certain time the next day and being like I don't have enough hours in the day to get all these things done now with just having less deadlines and more flexibility with the schedule I can put things away at night and not be worried oh I didn't get that done I can just let it go and be like I need to go to sleep and I need to have some time for me for self-care for my mental health and that's totally fine that's okay and it'll still be there tomorrow so I think that's been one of the greatest parts about the whole quarantine and navigating schedule is that you can truly let things go and not have to worry about facing the major consequences the next day and not to say that you shouldn't be doing your work you should be avoiding everything but if something's due on Friday you don't have 12 hours of work or school or whatever it is and only two hours to finish it you have a lot more flexibility so you can choose what works best for you and your mental health and completing everything you have to get done yeah exactly just like getting yourself on like a schedule of being like okay today is my day my spiritual coach told me she's like take that one day a week to just like be lazy like not do anything and I just think that's really important to do I totally agree. I've noticed like there's one day every single week where I take like three naps in one day and it's like the craziest thing. I'm just so tired like I end up sleeping in and then I'm like taking a nap on the couch in the middle of the day and I'm like what is happening but for some reason just having that day where it's chill and I can just do things at my own pace it's super nice and it's been it's definitely been good for my mental health for sure. Yeah and I think you need to allow yourself to do that. Mm -hmm. Again just going back to social media with quarantine for me, sometimes I was, I, I found myself beating myself up because I wasn't doing these workouts and mm-hmm, <laughs> just mm-hmm. just waking up early and just being more productive with my time. I think a lot of people, I saw on, I saw on Twitter a lot people saying like, this is the perfect time to start a business and, <laughs> you know, like all this stuff. And I'm like, that's, that's not everyone, you know? Yeah, so it's, it's not, not realistic. Take this mm-hmm. time to and that's not a bad thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a nice break and it's you time to work on yourself. And even if it's been like, what, three, four weeks now and you don't see some major marker of change in your mental health or in like your physical, physical, emotional, 
training that needs to come after that. What would you tell them? You would tell them to do it. So I need you to tell yourself the same thing. Walk through the fire, taste the fruit on the other hand, and and then help others. I love that. And like you said, the highs you experience are so much better because your lows were so much lower. There's such a measurable difference between that low that you've experienced in your life, that huge depression, that huge moment of anxiety, and what true joy is. And so while a normal person feels like, okay, this this sad thing happened, I maybe lost my job or I'm grieving about something or I feel this sadness, and then they go back to that joy. You're feeling that on a whole nother level. And so you get to experience joy unparalleled to other people, which, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. agree. It's your biggest gift if you allow it to be. Mm-hmm. So what's the best support and advice you've received through all this with your mental health? Probably the harsh reality that I have to do it and someone else can't do it for me. So many therapy sessions. I was like, can you just tell me what to do? Like, I will yeah. do it. I will do whatever you want me to do. Just tell me how to do it. And there- where's the pill? Where's <laughs> the map? Where's where's the Bible book for me? Like, what do I have to swear myself? Yeah, into? like I'll do it. I'll do, do it. Gotta- tell me what to do and I will do it. But yeah, there's no map. Work. There is no freaking roadmap. And that, that's something that sucks so much. And no one's been there before. Like, we're all united in this net battle against our mental health and mental illness. But it's so subjective and it's so different. So what mm-hmm. works for me, what works for you won't necessarily work for someone else. And you can apply certain things, but there's still no freaking roadmap, which is what makes it so confusing and abstract and hard to get through. But it's exciting because when you find something that works for you, it like triggers something in you and you get to know yourself a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So like for me, it's expressing gratitude every single day. It's doing my morning pages in the morning. I do that every morning. Mm -hmm. It's going for a 30 minute walk every single morning before I start work. It's doing my skincare routine, Mm -hmm. listening to certain podcasts that uplift me, really tailoring the content that I consume, whether it's on Instagram or podcast or website, email, whatever it may be a lot of meditation. Every single night I do a meditation. I read before bed just to get myself out of my own head. Mm-hmm. I read a fiction. That's what I do too. Yeah. 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 I, I do a lot of tools like on a daily basis that help me stay centered and grounded and strong and connected. And so once you find the things that work for you, it should feel like, you know, in the beginning, it'll be hard to implement, but eventually mm-hmm. you'll crave it. Yeah, I think the most difficult barrier to, get, barrier to get over in a mental illness journey and reaching that recovery is that lack of understanding. At the beginning, you are swimming in an ocean that you've never been in before. You don't understand anything around you. And what you do understand is that low, that depression. And so you want to stay there because at least it's not foreign. But what really does help you achieve that freedom and that joy and that, that happiness that everyone talks about is the understanding. And the why are you feeling depressed? What happened? And and even for me, someone who you mentioned your mom's diagnosis was something that that started that emotional like roller coaster of sorts. Like for me, I don't remember any trauma, any significant thing happening. I didn't have a loss. It just I started getting more and more and more depressed. And so I look back now and I can see that it was compounding core beliefs. It was me telling myself that I didn't deserve to be loved by anyone. It was me telling myself that I would never be good enough for my family. And I I was seeing all this circumstantial evidence around me that supported that. And so once I understood that those were the core beliefs that I was going through my life and living by, I could 
correct those. And I could say, so before I would find the circumstantial evidence when my parents are angry that I'll never be good good enough for them. And now I'll look at this argument and say, they care enough to respond and they care enough to listen to me and tell me what they want for me because they care and love me so much. And so once you understand that belief or that action or that that environment that you're in that is causing that depression, you can change it and you can alter it. And that's what gives you so much power. It's that knowledge of what's going on and that applies to every single thing in life, whether you have a mental illness or not. Yeah, you're amazing. Um, <laughs> obviously, you've learned so much from the DBT program. Mm-hmm. I've been through DBT programs before and but it, it takes it takes takes a certain someone to 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 hear it and to internalize it and to apply it. So, I mean, how old are you? You're 17. You're so beyond far in this world when it comes to emotional development and and personal development and mental health. And so I just think it's amazing that and and proof that you can get better and that you can change the way your mind works and you can. Where did I stop? Right after talking about business podcasts. Okay. Yes. So I listen to a lot of business podcasts Mm -hmm. and just kind of podcasts about mindset. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, if these people can do it, why can't I? I think we all have a story to tell. And that's basically why I wanted to start my podcast. Mm-hmm. But as far as the name goes, I remember it was back in October of 2019. Mm-hmm. I was dating a guy and my friend told me, or actually I was dating a guy and I was telling her about my relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it like wasn't, <laughs> it was not the best. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't healthy. We had terrible communication. And I remember she just kind of looked at me and then she was like, it ain't it sis. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got the name because that it. just really stuck with me. And yeah. I was like, yeah, this, this isn't it. And mm-hmm. I kind of apply that to my podcast and I really focus on kind of the different redirections and like pivots that we all have in life. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, regardless of who you are, we all have like one thing, at least one thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, granted, a lot of people have more than one thing, but we all have that one thing that really kind of set us on a different path in life. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of like to interview people and talk about it and talk about their own it ain't it sis moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's just like a little bit of what my podcast is about and why I started. Yeah, I love that. And especially just from like a reflection standpoint, when you're looking at your life and you're like, okay, what is it that ain't it at the moment? And when you change those things, when you make those shifts, that's how you end up living a life that you love. That's how you end up truly waking up every day and being like, I'm excited for what comes next and how you move out of that place of depression or anxiety or whatever mental health 